Hey, good morning, you guys. Glad to see so many fun faces in the crowd. Uh, today, well, actually every Sunday we think is a very special Sunday here at Arbor. This one in particular is special though, because we have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat, as it were. We are saying goodbye to Pastor Cliff today and honoring him, which we will do much uh, better later at the at the end of the service. But then also, we're opening a new season here at Arbor, which is the start of Ryan Plants's chapter. So, special Sunday, because we're sort of bridging two worlds here. So, um, real-time transition as we speak. We had done a series on change later or earlier in the spring, and that was all kind of preparing us, helping us get ready for the change that is happening even today. Um, if you happen to pop into Arbor today for the first time, <laughs> welcome. And I wanna give you a little story about our context so you can kind of appreciate what's happening here in this moment. Oh, and also, if you wondered why they picked me to speak today, it's, it reminded me of how they kind of wheel out the oldest person on a staff or in an org, and they like say to the old person, like, could you say a few words, you know? And anyhow, I, I don't know, they told me I'm supposed to sing climb every mountain at the end of service, so I'm ready for it, I'm ready for it, but that's why I'm here today. Yes, the old person. Anyhow, I'm going to tell you a story of Arbor in days of old, so you can appreciate days of new. Um, because yes, I was there, I was there. So six years ago is when our story started. Um, God gave a young church planter a vision for a church that would help the hurting and share the hope of heaven. And we would be making disciples and our preference would be to do that together. A core team was developed and we opened our doors five plus years ago. Boy, God grew Baby Arbor so fast. You wouldn't even believe it. Uh, and as we were growing, we were learning a lot of lessons along the way. We learned how to work in teams. We learned how to be in groups and grow our faith. Uh, we built friendships here. Many of those friendships were uh, grown in the, in the family room out there. As children played underneath, we would be having refreshments and in, in getting to know each other. We had a robust Celebrate Recovery program. We had countless small groups, divorce care, and we developed leaders and disciples of all ages. With the exception of our iconic place structure in the Grove, almost everything that you see in our building was made by craftsmen, made, made, by, made by volunteers. Our little wooden trash cans and offering boxes made by Aaron Rydecki. Colin Lund's fingerprints are everywhere. He built our kingdom wall and over in the, in the children's rooms, he's done a putt-putt and a carpet ball thing and all those movable walls that um, have arts and crafts and games on them. Ed Hawkinson, it's fun having Lisa here. Ed built all of our wooden frames out of reclaimed wood and we had volunteers who were photographers take pictures of our people that hang in our, in our, in our space. Uh, 
So every little touch was brought about by the work of God, inspiring those to generously give the finances for these projects, and then the craftsmen who would build, build our sweet little church. Everything was by his inspiration for his glory. I look back on those years and I can hardly remember a time of financial want, to be honest. Generosity seemed to be autonomic, like breathing. You don't even think about it, and people just poured out lavishly. We were able then to minister richly in-house and out-house, is the way we call it, like in-house, out-house. <laughs> Outhouse would be like ministries abroad or uh, in our local area, not just taking care of the people here at Arbor, but those around us. And, oh, you know, it sounds like we're quite the serious bunch, doesn't it? All this ministry work and such. I wanted to share, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a clip in the archives. Did you realize we had a gun incident here? Yes, in this very sanctuary. Um, a gun was fired, and so I wanna roll the clip on that. You'll see it's right after our, our birthday. There are balloons in the, on the stage. Let's see, who's that shooting? Give her a stuffed animal. A gun was fired, yes, I know this. I, we're quite the serious bunch. That's how we like to clean up balloons here at Arbor, so. Anyhow, as so happens with old people retelling history, we can put on our rose-colored glasses and pretend like everything was so perfect. Uh, we could paint you a picture of retro arbor that gives you the impression those were the good old days. And I could evoke nostalgic winsomeness from you by airbrushing. But what I would rather do is give you more of a glimpse of reality during that time. Some things are absolutely true, like lavish generosity of you all. That is totally true. Hundreds of volunteer hours. I mean, volunteers built this log wall, right? Hundreds of hours were poured in. That all is super true. But I also want to nod to the fact that we had our challenges. We grew faster than we were ready for. And in retrospect now, I kind of wonder if God hustled us along so much because he knew that 2020 was coming and we had to get a bunch of crap done before that happened. <laughs> oh, by the way, sorry, mom, for saying that word on stage. <laughs> yes, so we were fast and it was for a reason. The people of Arbor leaned in quickly, we learned quickly, and some of that was messy and imperfect, for sure. Not everyone who came to Arbor stayed at Arbor. And heartbreakingly, over the course of 2020, which was the year that we turned three, we said goodbye to many members for many reasons, including our own senior pastor. A three-year-old left on its own is vulnerable, and its chances of survival are slim. As I reflect back on this chapter of our story, I got super teary to remember Arbor at that time. It was like the winter of grief 2020. <laughs> Those who remained with us were still roiling from the impact of a global pandemic, which alone threatened the peace and stability of churches far larger and more established than our own. Also in the culture, there was political upheaval, racial tension, and angry chaos that battered like storms against our walls. 
To endure this as a church body, reduced in size and reduced in resources, would be a miracle. (laughs) But friends, you are sitting here today because there was a miracle. God's purpose for Arbor remains. In preparation for this season of change here at Arbor, I spent a lot of time in scripture looking for an example of a time that God's people went through something similar. Was there a story of a faith space or faith leaders or a faith community that underwent serious change? Well, I found one. There's a, uh, a, a portion of time in the Old Testament that can encourage us for this season. It's known as the Temple Era, and it is a story that can be found in many books of the Bible in the Old Testament. And I'm going to be pulling mostly from the book of Ezra, um, if you want to start flipping there, if you brought your Bibles today. So let me tell you a little bit about the background of the first temple. This is our first temple here, okay? (laughs) I I have been known to uh, bring visual examples. Today is no, no different. And I'm also gonna try and attempt to read with these glasses out of my own scripture here, so good luck. (laughs) Okay, background of the first temple. We know that God's people have worshiped him in many places uh, from the start. They started in gardens, and then they would build rocky altars wherever they would travel. They would worship him on mountaintops and near burning bushes. His presence was manifest in a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night, guiding lost and wandering people. In the Old Testament, we see his presence and glory present with his people in the Ark of the Covenant. And after 400 years of roaming in a portable cooler, he said, you know what, it's time for us to stop camping. You're no longer wandering. You have a home, let's build me a home. Let's park the ark. So the temple was born. This temple is known as Solomon's temple. It was built with a king's budget. It was magnificent, splendorous, and glorified by the literal presence of God. For 400 years, it stood as the center of Jewish life in Jerusalem not just a center for worship and faith instruction, it was also a community, a faith community. It was a hub. And also, its impressive presence signaled that Israel and her God, they were doing all right. And the enemy would take note of that. Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, was present with and protecting his people. They were living in right relationship with their God. But as it turned out, toward the end of the 399th year, (laughs) the enemy wasn't the problem for Israel. They were the problem with each other. God's people were turning away from God. They were finding idols and letting their hearts grow cold, which had been sort of a, a pattern for them. So with this distance, waxing and waning in their faithfulness to God, God allowed them to be conquered. So in 586 BC, God allowed the kingdom of Babylon to conquer the Jews, 
taking them into captivity. They were exiled and the temple was destroyed. Every item of value was plundered by the conquering army and the temple was burned to the ground. Did you think I was gonna do that? No, I'm, I'm not gonna. No, no, no. People, no, come on, but. You thought I was gonna burn it? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, anyhow. Okay, so the temple's destroyed, right? The, the, the people are taking into exile in Babylon, right? And for 70 years, they are separate from Jerusalem. During that time, God sanctified his people though and reignited him within them an appreciation for his ways. So when the prophesied time came, God nudged a Babylonian king named Cyrus to release the Israelites back to their land. There's a second act for God's people. The first act was Solomon's temple. Then there was a 70-year intermission. And then there's going to be a new thing, a new place that they can worship. And this reminded me so many, in so many ways of Arbor. Our first act was a church planter and his team that built a place of worship. Then there was a fall and an intermission of 617 days. God provided Cliff during that time to guide and care for us. And last Sunday, Ryan Plants took up the mantle of leadership, ushering us into our second act. Here's a few things to note from this temple story. Okay, we're in book of Ezra, finally. I get to read with my glasses here, we'll see. Okay, this is King Cyrus speaking. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and send it throughout the kingdom. King Cyrus decreed, it's time for y'all to go home now. Go home, and I want you to build your temple back. Then... The family heads of, where am I? Okay, nope, I'm gonna have to go back to this. That's so interesting, note for next time. Okay, then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts in addition to freewill offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out all the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the temple of his God. Okay, so King Cyrus is not only decreeing, he's also underwriting and supporting financially the work of the temple being rebuilt. He even had found all the stuff that had been plundered and stolen away back when the fall happened, and he is restoring back everybody's treasure to rebuild this temple. And I just want a snapshot of the, the inventory. I thought it was great that they, they listed out everything. Gold basins, silver basins, silver incense burners, gold bowls, silver bowls, and other items, and they, they mark down how many of each are there. I like the fact that they said that there were 29 
silver bowls. <laughs> 29, I'm thinking, these, these things matter. These things matter. When you guys give to the work of the Lord, he sees even, like, you might not have gotten all the way up to 30, and we're not just rounding off. We're going to say it was 29. Those matter. All these things matter. What else matters? God is the one who moves hearts to accomplish his plans. Did you notice that in the first verse, he stirred the heart of Cyrus. He stirred the heart. And then he stirred the hearts of the priests and the people and the leaders to come back. He started with the king and moved to everyone else. That's true here for Arbor as well. We hear stories all the time of how people found us, sometimes by accident. <laughs> and somehow God has stirred their hearts to be here. They, he, has, he has developed ways to reach people and bring them into this faith family. What else do we see in the scripture? God seems to be underwriting his work through us and he restores what is lost. He restores what's lost. He financially provides for a faith community. He nudged the neighbors, <laughs> which I love, down to the 29th pan, silver pan. He was like, these things matter, bring them all, bring them all. For us in Arbor's history, we've seen people come and become financially generous here. We also have been graced by people who've moved out of the area and they've kept their tithe here until they find their new church home. That has helped carry us over in this time. It's an encouragement that our gifts matter in the work of God. What else matters? Okay, if you've got your Bible, go over to chapter two. This seems contradictory in a way because I'm gonna ask you just to glance at it, like scan. Basically, the entire chapter two in Ezra is a list of all the people who returned, which I love. I love that people matter to God. People matter to God. And when I look back at this, I think of Arbor when the staff noticed in 2020 there was a scattering of people, right? For various reasons. But then, one by one, family by family, they started coming back. Chapter two is a list of people who returned. Their company numbered 42,360. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. Um, but when the staff watched the scattering, we also have celebrated together when we see people coming back. Like the Jaroskis and the readers, they came back. The coffee team is back, yes, right? The Stamlers and the Winters, Gretchen and Russ, Tony and Jean, they're back. The welcome team, the worship team, the prayer team, Amanda, Adrian, Thayer, they're back, right? We can do the work of God now because they're back. So I don't ever want you to skim over this chapter again without seeing your name here and seeing your friends' names here as well. People matter to God, and it, he, he's willing to take up a whole chapter just to list out all the people who belonged in this effort. 
chapter three, they are gonna build an altar now. They're gonna start small. They're like, okay, we've come into this new place again. We don't have a building because that. <laughs> we don't have a building, but we wanna start praising God and worshiping God. So they build a little altar and they're going to make a sacrifice. And then they have their first holiday. For them, it was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And they go ahead and they, they have their little holiday there. It reminded me, who was here for Umbrella Church? Anybody back? It was so, so low-key. So we were out in the parking lot. We weren't able to come back in the building yet. We did this thing called a QR code. Nobody knew what that was at the time. People are like, what is this? I get Christmas carols with a QR code. We taught you how to do that. We worshiped out in the backyard. It reminded me of that, right? Like no building per se. We're all kind of like trying to find our way back here, but we're still gonna honor and lift up the Lord. Umbrella Church. Okay, so moving on. We're coming up to my favorite part here. Um, this is 10 and 11, 10 and 11. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, took their places to blow their trumpets, so the worship team, with praises and loud thanks, they sang this to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. And then all of the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. So I'm gonna pretend like this is a foundation. It's the smallest little churchy bird, birdhouse I could find. And you'll notice it doesn't have like a fancy steeple or anything, it's just a starting place, right? So we're gonna pretend like this is the foundation that was poured and it's a beginning. And there's all the young people are like so cool. They're like, yeah, yeah, we got this. This is gonna be awesome. We've got this new temple coming up. Everything looks so cool now. We've got a bright future. Um, don't need the QR code anymore. Um, it's gonna be awesome. But here's the part that breaks my heart. Verse 12. But many of the older priests, Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple, wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. I thought about that when I came across that. I was like, you have all these people cheering for the new beginning, for the new temple. A new day has come, and they're like, dude, is, it is time for us to move on, right? Move away from the past. Um, any stories you may have heard from the t past, eh, NBD. They're not really that big a deal. Like, can we just move on now? <laughs> and meanwhile, there's somebody else in the crowd, right? It's the silver tips. The silver, silver tips are like, oh, God. Here we are again, we're starting afresh. We're starting afresh. And there's something that I'm grieving inside. I remember the old temple. I remember the old way that we used to do things. More importantly than that, 
I remember the people that were with me in that time, and they're no longer here, and I miss them. And there's like something inside me that's sad about that. Those precious people who aren't standing here today, my heart breaks to remember what took them from me. So I want, I want, I know that both people here in Arbor's history are represented here. There's the new people who are like, this is the, like, we're stoked. This is so awesome. Bright future ahead. And I say, yes, that is true. But I also remember that there are people here who carry a history with them of this space and of the work they had poured out into that first temple and into the, the love and friendship they had built here with one another. And when they stand and sing today, Arbor, the people that they loved may not be here with them anymore. And for that, they grieve. For, the, for that, they grieve. But here's what I want you to keep in mind. God is doing something new here at Arbor. A new foundation is being built on the very place where he has moved before. We aren't the same after having our intermission. We're not. We're better. (laughs) We are better. Don't forget that when Jesus, sorry, it was Jesus because the Trinity, but Yahweh, God, had moved his people out of Jerusalem and into captivity for 70 years. That purpose was to redirect their hearts back towards him. And when that time had been fulfilled, when that purpose had been fulfilled, that's when he said, okay, now it's time for you guys to start afresh. Now is the time for a new chapter. Okay? So they were better for that. They now had a reignited passion for the ways of the Lord. They wanted to honor him and obey him and be in relationship with him again. So we have also been sanctified, have we not? Challenges struggles, hardships, those things have formed us into his likeness. And he has allowed that hardship to do a work in us so that we now can be prepared, prepared for what's ahead. I thought about this thinking, is that what making disciples looks like maybe? (laughs) You know, that had been our goal for so long was to like make disciples. Now I'm wondering like, was he making us? And he was saying, hey, you guys, like come back to me right? Let's do it. Let's do this thing together. So friends, you may be someone who remembers Arbor before it even had a name, like myself. Back in 2016, God moved your heart when you heard of a church planter that wanted to help the hurting. Or maybe you came in 2017 after we launched a big baby plant, (laughs) church plant, oversized, and we were running hard to keep up with all he had in mind. He moved your heart to belong here too, to be a disciple and make disciples. For you 2016 and 2017ers, I want to tell you that I see you. I hear your bittersweet cries. I know you've tasted hope, and you've tasted loss under the same roof. 
And some of you wish that God would stop moving your hearts here <laughs> because it's sometimes hard. Sometimes hard to be here and encounter all those memories that are whirled around together. And some of you are tired, man. Like you were like, I poured out those years ago and now I'm a little bit tired. But I want you to know God would only move your heart here if he had a plan. And he counts it as righteousness that you've obeyed his voice. I truly believe he will be faithful to help the hurting, which happens to be us. But maybe you came to Arbor later. Maybe you came during the intermission and God moved you here for a plan as well. He wanted you to pour out the gifts that he's given you, right? And you found that as you poured out, you were being poured back into. And that was part of his plan as well. Maybe you came at a time where Cliff was your, the first faith leader that you clicked with. And you thought, okay, good, I finally found someone who, who like speaks my language and grows my faith. And, and this today, this, this leaving of him and us saying goodbye, maybe that is provoking more pain for you. I see you too. And last, you might be here for the very first time. And you're like, what is all this about? <laughs> right? Um, but maybe you need a fresh faith start with a new church faith family. And the fact that we're starting fresh sort of feels cool. Like maybe it feels a little bit simple, but maybe it's like we all start together, right? And we're going to restart together. Maybe God is moving your heart to stay. So as we close, I want to flip to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. I want you to know how, no matter how you came to this place, I want you to imagine these words. <sighs> Let them give you peace as you consider your place in a church family, a faith community, and maybe Arbor itself. I'm going to use the message translation. I feel like Eugene Peterson so beautifully phrases this. He says, you're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home, your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and using all of us, irrespective of how we got here, <laughs> in what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone holding all the parts together. We see it taking shape day by day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. Brick by brick, shiplap by shiplap. <laughs> Got to be at Arbor here, right? Right? On brand. We here are being built into God's temple where he is quite at home. And our cornerstone is Jesus. And last thing, as the worship team finds their way up here, the old, the old people, you know, like the climb every mountain type people, 
who come and say a few words. We are the only people who can get away with saying this next part. So I want to just savor it. Um, if, if Ryan were to be the one to say it, he would seem haughty and arrogant, and we'd be like, nope. Um, but anyhow, it's the benefit of being my age. This is our blessing. This is coming out of the book of Haggai, which is also continuing the story of the second temple. God comes and tells his prophet, like, say this to the people, so I am saying this to you. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. In this place, I will declare peace. Let's pray. May it be so, Lord. May it be so.